0: to the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexander Curland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Last week, we began a conversation that was centered around the online clinics. Even though the clinics are online and you go through them at your own pace, they're very much designed to be interactive. There are many places in them where people can respond to questions that I use to get a conversation going. The questions aren't meant as a quiz, they're very much prompts for conversations. And we've been having some wonderful exchanges that have created a rich resource for everyone in the clinics to enjoy. Dominique has been participating in the clinics and she's also been struck by what a wonderfully rich resource these exchanges have become. So she's chosen a handful of these conversations to highlight. Last time we expanded on a comment that I made in one response that I wrote, I said, the conversation is not a burden. So what does that mean? Well, we talked about many different ways in which you can interpret that quote, the conversation is not a burden. Then we looked at the magnetic attraction of mats and how to keep mats in balance with other behaviors you may want. Keeping behaviors in balance took us to backing and backing took us to everything. So that's where we're going to begin. With forward and back, and out of that, you have everything. So now when I take my saddle out and my horse begins to back up, instead of it being, oh, no, I've ruined my horse, or what a nuisance, I can ask my horse to go forward, and then I can bring him into a standstill. And life is good. So, you know, what we're doing, really, with all of this work and the reason that the foundation lessons are so powerful is it's all just built out of redistribution of weight and it's built out of being able to ask a horse to go forward and back and if you can ask a horse to go forward and back you can ask a you can find the middle which is standing still and if you have those three things you have everything so there was also
1: another um, cuz there's there was there was a big section with about the backing you know you were just saying you know when you once you have these three things back up forward and stillness so uh, there was a discussion about using grown ups to create breaks to keep an overall sense of calm yes and you were saying you know it how much how many times do you need to use the grown ups breaks well it'll depend on your study of one horse Yep. Some horse, some horses will need more breaks. Some horses will need more of the momentum of going back and forth. Yeah. Um, can you talk to that a little bit? Because I thought that was an interesting part of the discussion too. Because there, there was this whole discussion about emotional balance too,
0: which yep. which the the the, the grown ups help create. Yeah, because grown ups grown ups gives you punctuation. And grownups gives you off switches, you know, that I can turn off another behavior, an active behavior by asking for grownups. So it's not that I'm saying no to backing up or moving your feet forward or dropping your head or giving me Spanish walk or whatever the behavior is, that I can just fold into grownups and my horse will recognize that cue and respond by stopping his feet and moving his head so that He's looking straight ahead and he's in that beautiful grown-ups are talking stillness. And then I can pay attention to the emotional indicators. So he's not standing in grown-ups are talking, quivering with look at how look at how actively I'm standing still. Like the you know, the border collie version of it. But you start looking for you know, what how do you read relaxed? What are what would be indicators to you that your horse is settled is feeling calm is feeling relaxed and those begin to be woven into the grown-ups so the grown-ups are talking is a really important part of the training because it's like in writing without punctuation you just have a mess you know, you have these run-on sentences that just go on and on and on and there's no pausing for breath or taking a pause or anything of that sort and it starts to feel really frantic and you don't know where one thought ends and another thought begins. <sighs> mm. So you need punctuation. So that, that's important. And some horses, if you have a, a horse who is a, a non-foot mover, who's very calm, very settled, very relaxed, you know, that can, you, as soon as you go into grown-ups, He's just, I'm. I'm happy to be there with you. (laughs) I'm happy to be there with you. You know, you you may not have to emphasize the grown-ups quite so much, or to focus on it quite so much. In fact, what you really need to focus on is, you know, can you walk with me, click and treat? And if you walk with me, then I'll let you stand still. But for the foot movers and the border collie version of it, you really want to weave in lots of opportunities to go into stillness. But you have to be careful how you build it in so they don't get frustrated. I want to move, I want to move, I want to move. Please let me move, please let me move. You know, so you, you're, you've got to build it with really initially high rates of reinforcement and looking at, you know, how many steps forward do I let my horse move before I fall back into grown up, so that he doesn't become frustrated. Uh, it very much is a study of, one, how you build the ratios. So I know Cindy Martin, who we've had in the podcast, would talk about with one of some of her horses, I think she did it for every step forward that she added, that she would double the amount of time in grown-ups. Mm. So if she walked forward three steps, she would stand in grown-ups for six seconds if she walked forward four steps, she would stand in grown ups for eight seconds. So that, that was a good way for her to do that with the horse that she was working with. So there are lots of strategies that we that we can keep in mind. But one of the one of the stories that's popping into my head, you know, you have horses that when you're talking about training, there'll be various horses sort of coming it's like they're they're just tapping me on their shoulder with, with their with their nose and saying you should talk about me right now. And so one of the horses has come and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you should talk about me right now since you're talking about backing. And this was an experience very early on in the clicker training where I was giving a clinic in Boston and one of the participants flew over from Belgium and which was to me at that stage because this was early days. It's like, you did what? (laughs) but she had come specifically for the clinic. And we had several really challenging horses in that clinic. Gregor, who's in the head-lowering DVD, was in that clinic. He's at that stage still of the times a very, showed a lot of aggressive behavior. So this was early days yet with Gregor. And one of the things that we kept emphasizing was you've got to feed out away from your body. And... And really putting that emphasis of when you present the food, make sure that you extend your hand out away from your body. Because so many people feed in close, you know, they, they're getting the treat out of the pocket and the horse's nose is right there. we have talked mm-hmm. about mugging behavior. And so they, they open their hand and the horse is getting the treat, but the, the horse's head is right there next to your torso. And that's not a good, that's not a good thing. I'm sure we've all done that. We've all done that. But it's it's not a good strategy. Hardly, so, no. So you extend your arm out away from your body. Yeah. Hmm. And so this particular handler really took that and became incredibly consistent with it. But what she her takeaway was that she would extend her hand so her horse backed up. And she was working with a quarter horse mayor who had become extremely extraordinarily aggressive. And the trainers that she had asked about uh, this horse for help, and this was in Europe, they all told her that the horse was dangerous and she should put her in the ground or turn her into hamburgers. Because they eat horses in Europe. Well, that was an unacceptable answer. And that was why she had come, why she got put herself on an airplane and flown across the Atlantic to come and see if clicker training could help her. And so she went home, and she started to very consistently, every time if she was walking forward, she would click and feed so that she was turning and her horse was backing up to get the food. And that was absolutely consistent. Every time that she was asking for walk forward, click, turn, and back up, and I saw the horse a year later, met her for the first time, and there was not one glimmer of aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. that that food delivery had had for this horse solved the issues that were creating the the frustration Mm -hmm. that was producing the aggressive behavior. And it really confirmed for me the power of the food delivery and how important it is that we pay attention to to it. We pay attention to how we feed, where we feed. We make use of it, that we don't just throw it away as a you know where you click and you feed without thought, because yes. you're throwing you're away. mindful of it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a tool. It's it's too powerful a tool. Mm-hmm. It's too important a tool to feed without thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and we see that in the, uh, when we look at the changes in horses' balance. And one of the things that's been really exciting in this course with the coaching sessions, so mm. once a month, we once every three weeks or so, we have a, an online coaching session. And the, some of the changes in how the horses are carrying themselves have been startling. I've actually put some of the before and after pictures up on the website. Um, so if you go to the clickercenter.com and you look up the clinics, there's a in the drop-down menu, there's a page that's, I think it's clinic stories or something like that, where I've got some of these pictures. And, and I'm just forever, it doesn't matter how many times you see these changes emerging, but to see the shift in balance from that sort of couch potato, higgledy-piggledy, horse falling forward on its forehand to horse standing up over himself in good balance. It's just really startling. And it's so important because this is what keeps them sound.
1: Right. Another one. So in that backing discussion, someone said they wanted to teach a fun thing to their horse. They wanted to touch the tail of the horse so that the horse would start to back up and then to do beep, 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 so that the horse would continue to back up until she stopped saying beep, beep, beep. Okay? Okay. So that's a fun one. But there was a very interesting discussion about, um, so, so we're just going to define because there may be some confusion with the word, but something that would be like the initiation of the backing. So kind of the starting, right. I don't want to say button because starter button. I do
0: do because I, in, in clicker training for your horse, I wrote about starter button cues. Okay. But just so people
1: don't get confused. We're not talking about the starter button that we use, let's say in husbandry. So the, animal tells us they're ready to proceed this is initiating a moment so the the image you gave which I really like was you start your car it's the ignition uh, of the car when you put the key in but then if you want the car to run you have to put your feet on the gas pedal so that is the constant on cue Yes. So when she said she wanted to touch the tail as the initiation of the movement, so that would be your definition of the starter button yeah, starter. starter button too. And then uh, the the beep 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 is the constant on cue. And if and you even went to the example that if your car stalled, you yes. would ignite you would start the, with the key again, and then you would step on the pedal. I, I want to hear more about it. I thought that that was a great conversation. And in that conversation was also another part, which I thought was really interesting, is that you said in the beginning, because she was, I think in the beginning, we were talking about showing the horse to back up using the lead. Okay, and then she would have probably transferred it. But in the beginning, we were showing the horse to uh, maybe I shouldn't I should separate the two conversations. But since I started it, I'll just finish the thought and then we can talk about them separately. But you were saying in the beginning when you would click, the click would be aligned with the. you see what, where I'm going? Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't want to confuse people. Too. Let's okay. start with we'll, the, we'll the we'll metaphor, the 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 image of this the starter button okay. and the constant on cue because that's an important nuance. Yes, You know, you initiate the backing, but then what does it mean for the horse? Am I to back one step and that's it? You're going to click and reinforce me? Or then if you, and then if I start to back up, back up, back up, how do I know when, to stop? Do I just decide, oh, I'm tired of backing, now I stop? So that constant on cue is, is an
0: important thing to know about. Well, it, it's an important, especially as we move into writing, it becomes mm, yeah, very important true. because there are cues that you want as initiator, starter mm-hmm. button cues, and cues that you want more as a constant on. And it's true when on the ground as well. The question really is: Do you, first of all, are you aware which category you're in? Exactly. And do you have the discipline to turn off a starter button cue? Because if if you don't, what you can end up with in is the c- contact trap. But before I get there, let me just give sort of give a little history. So, I really started to think about this idea of the constant on versus the starter button cues from Karen Pryor's book, Lads Before the Wind. So Karen wrote Don't Shoot the Dog, which many, many, many people listening to this will be very familiar with, since that's sort of often the book that got people interested in the first place. And then she also wrote Lads Before the Wind, which was more of a, I think the subtitle was Diary of a Dolphin Trainer, Mm -hmm. uh, in which she wrote about her time at Sea Life Park, which was she and her husband founded, and where she was figuring out how to train the dolphins, because this was this was new. This was really brand new technology in terms of. First of all, it was brand new to be training dolphins because they were new to it, people; hadn't had them in captivity. So the idea of a you can train them, and b how do you do it mm-hmm. was uh, something that Karen was very much one of the pioneers in figuring out figuring this out. So she was puzzling over situations where the dolphins would jump up out of the water and jump over a jump, and then they'd go back in the water. But she wanted them to repeat the jump, to keep jumping out of the water. So what what she developed at that point was a constant on cue. So she would blow a whistle and keep blowing it. And what the dolphins learned was to keep jumping until the whistle stopped. Okay. And then there were other things where it was just, you know, give the cue once and the dolphin would perform whatever the behavior was. You weren't having to continue to cue mm-hmm. while the dolphin performed that behavior. So I thought that was really interesting. And I paid attention to that in the training because as a rider, mm-hmm. I'm aware that there are times where, Say I want my horse to canter, mm-hmm. and I'm going to cue the horse to go up into the canter, but then you want to stop giving those starter button cues. And we certainly, you know, as a rider, I'm uh, learning, and I've uh, because I boarded in a lesson in a barn where they gave uh, lessons. You know, I listened to and watched a lot of lessons where mm. the instruction was, you know, stop banging with your legs or squeezing with your legs, your horse is already cantering. Right. Um, you know, turn that cue off. Yeah. But if you have a, a new rider that doesn't yet, doesn't yet know how to accompany the canter with their seat, the horse goes up into the canter and then immediately drops out of the canter. Mm-hmm. And, and then the rider gets really frustrated because... I don't like this horse because he doesn't. He doesn't know how to canter. He doesn't keep cantering. This is a terrible horse. You know, it's always blamed on the horse. And then you put a more experienced rider up, and the, the experienced rider asks for the canter. The horse goes into the canter, and he stays in the canter. Why? Because that experienced rider is accompanying the canter with their seat, and so that constant on cue is present. And when they stop accompanying the the canter, that becomes a cue to go back into the walk. And so really what the inexperienced rider, without knowing it, was doing was saying, okay, now I'm cueing you to stop. Right. Right. So, so we've got all of that that has to be teased apart and sorted. And one of the things that, that we see, for example, with backing, when my horse backs, what would I like? I would like, for, for example, to be able to slide up the lead rope and on a really soft lead cue, my horse feels me coming along the line and initiates into backing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I release the lead, and he backs however many steps that I want until I either click or cue some other behavior.
1: But you're backing with him.
0: And, whether, and, and I could do it one of two ways. I mm-hmm. could So I could teach him to keep backing, while I stand still, or I could walk with him as he backs up. So let's take the, I'm walking with him as he backs up. So I slide up the lead, he starts to back, I release the lead, and he backs up. What happens is that you'll see the handler slide up the lead, the horse goes into motion, and the handler doesn't let go. Mm -hmm. The handler stays on the lead until the horse has backed up, the number of steps that she wants, and then she clicks and releases mm-hmm. the lead and gives the horse a treat. And you could say, "Well, what's wrong with that?" Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm using a constant on, and it's really clear. So what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is that you are going to create a heaviness, and you will interrupt the horse's balance when you do this. And we can demonstrate this with people. So if if you have two people together. So you've got one person who's going to be the human horse, and she's holding the horse's end of the lead, and the other person is the handler. And so the handler slides up the lead and asks for backing and stays on the lead. So the person will back three, four steps, and then the handler clicks and reinforces. That's great. And you don't know whether this is good, bad, or indifferent, because all you have is is that one trial, you know, that one instance. So you have nothing to judge it against. The horse backed up, you're happy, click and treat. So then you you set up the situation where the handler slides up the lead. And as the human horse, as her partner goes into motion, she releases the lead. Often what will happen is the person will stall out. That's the car stalling out. So you slide up the lead again, And you initiate the person into motion and they stall out another time or two. And this is where the the contact trap. Ah, the contact trap. Okay. Comes Mm -hmm. into play. Because now what the handler does is they slide up and they say, Well, you know, if I let go, my horse is gonna I
1: don't want her to stall
0: out again, so I'll stay there. So I'll stay there. And Mm. before long, what they've found is they're staying there. And Mm -hmm. what we want to do instead is to say, I'm gonna release. And I'm, there's going to be a certain momentum that you build up, sort of like bending mm. the coat hanger. where as the person takes a step back, you'll see them begin to, to take their other foot back. And so you're going to click on that little bit of extra energy. And within a couple of rounds, you will have a person who, when you slide up the lead, they start to back. And as you walk, ter- walk towards them, they continue to back up and you are no longer on the lead, but there is a constant on in that you are walking towards them. Right. So now you can compare because okay. you've gone through this teaching process. So on one, you slide up and you stay on the lead and the horse, back, or the horse or the human backs up. In the other, you slide up and as the human horse goes into motion, you release the lead and you accompany them as they back up. And what you will see is that the first of all if you ask them which one do you prefer they will tell you i like the second one better where you let go because it feels lighter so you get that verbal report and then if you observe how they're backing you will see that they are backing in better balance with smoother more even strides and when you look at the horses you will see the same thing mm. so that contact trap, it can limit the development of a horse's good balance.
1: And so, certainly we can see that it's the opposite of lightness. Yeah. I mean, it's so lovely when you can barely see the cues, you know, this yeah. just initiating the backup and then just walking with the
0: horse. It just looks so fluid. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And so this relates to the second half. of Yes. yes. So initially, when you're sliding up the lead, you slide up the lead, the horse begins to initiate into backing. And we know, if, you know, when, if we visualize the movement cycle, there's a part of the movement cycle where the individual, whether it's the human horse or the actual horse, where they're beginning to go into the motion mm-hmm. of lifting the foot and then uh, taking that stride back, a stride. And so the foot goes up and then in the second half of that cycle, the foot comes down to the ground and you want to be clicking in the first part of that movement cycle. So they're lifting the foot. That's, you know, that's the timing. And so you're going to click and you're going to release at the same time. So the click and the, so the yes of the lead occurs at the same time as the yes of the click. Right. And you're going to build a clean loop. So you slide up, the horse begins to go into motion. You're clicking and releasing. Your Mm -hmm. loop is clean. When a loop is clean, you get to move on. And not only do you get to move on, you should move on. So now what you begin to do is you begin to look for more steps of backing. Yes. So you slide up the lead. And as the horse goes into motion, you are releasing. Yes. But you are withholding your click. Right. For that little fraction where you get the the step and then the beginning of the other foot going back, click and treat. So now the yes of the lead and the yes of the click are drawing apart. Separate. They're trying,
1: they're starting to separate.
0: They're separating, right? Yeah. So the yes of the lead says yes to the initiator cue. You got that right. You are absolutely right. And then the yes of the click becomes a highlighter for really saying, yes, this number of steps or this particular amount of energy that you just put into your stride, you know, whatever your criterion happens to be, that is particularly good. And I'm going to say yes to it. You you gain this extra power because you have. Uh, the ability to separate these two yeses. So I just want to emphasize that all
1: this discussion is happening in the course, in the introduction. Yes. Okay. We're like not in anything so far where, I mean, but when this discussion happened, we weren't even in protective contact. You know, we were like in the beginning And so it's amazing because, yeah, you think you're going to get into the introduction, but you have all these great conversations happening because people are bringing up real life things, you know, um, or wishes. I think this one was because you asked people, what would you like to do with your horses? You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't there, but I know someone said, you know, I'd like to touch the tail of my horse and do beep, beep, beep. And this whole conversation about constant on and start a button, because you kind of had to make that distinction in in that answer. So, I mean, it's wonderful, you know, because you may think, oh, this is too beginners, this is too basic, but this is all going on at the same time. So it's, um, and I mean, I've, you know, I've just brought up a few things, but, you know, I'd like to do it again, because there are Lots of other things already that, you know, I kind of highlighted, you know, because there's a point where you ask people, well, think about, does your horse ever say no to you? Yeah. And so people say, well, no. And then they think, oh, yeah, maybe they do. And, you know, you talk about how important it is to honor the no, that a horse will tell you that it's a very important safety valve. to not ignore the no's, that you can teach your horse to say no, and that you'll respect that no. I mean, for sure, you know, and that really all the horse is saying is, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. That's all. I'm confused. I'm confused. I don't understand. I'm not ready for this. Or I'm Uh,
0: not feeling well. Yeah. But it can keep an accident from happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know I just all the in-person clinics and Friday night when we're going through the intros and you hear from person after person uh, you know oh, I got on and when my horse was dancing around at the mounting block and and then I got you know he sent me sailing, and if only I had listened to him.
1: Mm-hmm. You, know, you hear but, that all the time. Yeah,
0: you do. I don't think I've heard
1: anyone who had an accident not say I kind of knew it before. I should have listened. Well, you,
0: you, you, they don't
1: always see it coming, but right. most of the people i that I've known who have had accidents, they they could they had a feeling, but they ignored it. Yeah. So they read something in the horse, they ignore it because of some pressure, outside pressure or whatever. Because
0: we're taught to ignore it. We're actively taught to push aside our fear. You know, that there's something wrong with you if you feel afraid.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, like in the dog world, they'll say, punish your dog for growling. Are you crazy? Don't punish your dog for growling because he's going to go up to biting. Yeah. The next thing that's going to happen. And then you'll be sorry. So if he growls, take note. Do something. Don't punish. You know, just you have to analyze the situation. And there's some things to be taught here because, you know, he's, thank God he can growl before he bites.
0: In the command-based training world that was the norm around me when I was first exploring horses, it was not only was it never talked about, oh, your horse can say no, it was actively um, your horse is not allowed to say Discourage. no. And oh, I Respect. I, and I think about, because it was a jumping barn, and I think about the horses that were driven with whips over fences mm. who were trying desperately to say no. And it was, it was not allowed. So the more we talk about and celebrate mm. that, you know, in this training, our, it is a conversation, and it is okay. For our horses to say no
1: I'm not ready for that step
0: yeah not today no but you know
1: when the more I hear about constructional training the more I see how we're constantly asking for our animals to do things they're not ready for you know even little things that are coming from a good place I, there's a um, there's a very nice here in my village. There's a very nice place to walk. It's a, like in the forest, a trail, a very nice trail, and and you're allowed with dogs there, and you know it's, there's so many dogs who should not be on that trail. Yes, they're not ready for that trail, and but we're constantly asking things of our animals that they're not ready for because we're not being constructional. We're not uh, we're ignoring the loops that are not clean, and we keep pushing, um, or we don't want to invest the time because we think it's too long, which is not in the long run. But. Right.
0: Or, or we don't understand that there are things that we need to teach first, mm-hmm. because it's not that kind of instruction has not been modeled for us. No you know you think about the school instruction yes there were certain things that you know where it was broken down a little bit but not to the extent that it's needed
1: no most people i think most people would not would not throw their babies in the shout the you know the the pool at the other the deep end the of deep the pool end. yeah most people i'm sure there are people who think it's the best way to show a, a, a toddler how to swim but you know, usually you don't do that. But we do that with our animals all the time. Yeah. We throw them in the deep
0: end. We do it with people, too. And mm-hmm. I think about some of the, the riding instruction, you know, that same barn that I was just describing, that was a, a hunter-jumper barn. Routinely, the instructor there, in your first lesson, whether you'd ever ridden before or not, he had people jumping.
1: Yeah, putting people also in the deep end. Yeah. You know, it's funny in the in today I read a comment about something, uh, someone who had come to one of our Cavalier clinics and she said she was a dog trainer and she said, when I, I don't remember where she was coming from, but it doesn't matter. She was saying, oh, when when you uh, suggested that we were going to uh, work in protective contact,
0: contact. Whew, <laughs> I was so happy about yep. that. Yep. <laughs> That one I remember because it was fairly recent and she was saying that. Yeah, yeah, like, she, it was, it was yeah, it was very I, recent. It was very recent comment. She couldn't, she was really skeptical and concerned about applying clicker training to horses. To a big animal. Yeah, because yeah. she saw how uh, frustrated and excited the dogs got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if, yeah, if you exactly. had that kind of emotional energy. reaction. Yeah, yeah. Energy, with a big horse. <laughs> how could that possibly work? And then. Mm. Oh, there's a barrier. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there was, an, there was another one that was sort of pop, popped out that was fairly recent where we were, I think the question was a general one about what are some of the other, what are some of the non food reinforcers oh, yeah. that you mm-hmm. could use with your horse? And yeah. one person suggested getting ending a session and letting the horse go back to the barn. And I had the discussion there of, well, what is that really telling you mm-hmm. when that's the reinforcer? Mm-hmm. Because that's the difference between command-based and cue based training. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to the Podysky's book, My Horses, My Teachers. And he was head of the Spanish writing school in the 50s. And it's such a great title. And when, you, when I first read it, I thought, oh, what a nice person. You know, he keeps saying over and over again, When your horse does something really good, the best reward that you can give him is to give him a pet, get off and take him back to the barn. Mm -hmm. And now that I have a deeper understanding of this work and the difference, the contrast between command-based and cue-based training, what that's really telling you is how that training functions. Mm -hmm. Because if the greatest reward you can give a horse is to have a session end, then that's telling you that you are in a command-based system mm. where the only way that the horse can really escape from the possibility of making a mistake and having the pressure escalate is by having the session end. Mm. So when the session ends, it's like, oh, shoo. Yeah, I've relief. Escaped, I've, I've escaped that bullet for today. Mm-hmm. You know, this is good. But in cue-based training, Having the session end, as we know, is not, yeah, yeah. so the horses want the session to keep going, and we have to create strategies initially for uh, how do we have the session end so it doesn't feel punitive.
1: Yeah, someone someone was saying that the routine they had, because they used to go back with their horse to the paddock and just throw some treats and then yeah. you know go back to the barn. But the horse would come back to the get, the front of the gate and say, well, I wanna continue. So yes. they, they have this routine now where they scratch the horse yeah. at the end and so the horse knows and, and is actually looking forward to the scratching. And the, this person is not using the scratching as a reinforcer other than in that ritual to signal that it's the end of the session. Yeah and so it's it's a good ritual but yeah we need those ritual so that the horse is not frustrated and knows okay it's the end of the session but it'll start again yeah at some point yeah and you may have to teach this right you may have to teach that you know we end we go away for 10 minutes and then it starts over again so it's not the end of the world if it's if it has ended, but it's certainly, I I certainly prefer my horse to say, oh, no, no, I don't want this to be over then. Oh,
0: finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that whole teaching exit strategies sits again in those early, early steps in the training where you fill your pocket with just 20 treats so that the session is going to end and you're Mm -hmm. using the protective contact. And so it's easy to walk away, but you have just a handful of treats in your pocket and you're feeding a couple, you know, carrot slices at a time. But that means that, you know, 10 plus or minus trials, you're going to need to stop and go refill your pockets. So the Mm -hmm. horse is learning that the session ends, there's a break, but it's okay because you'll come back.
1: Yeah, I think there was a discussion on that too, which I thought was really interesting. Someone was saying how it helped calm their horse, this yes. strategy, because yes. the horse was getting so hyper, but but it put some brakes in, and the yeah. horse knew she was coming back, but she was saying how much better he
0: was, that it really helped calm him down. I think that I was in the. The most recent coaching session that that.
1: Oh, maybe it was in the coaching session.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because I
1: thought that was very interesting. Yeah, lots of gems in there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'd like to do this again because I, you know, I keep having all these little notes that I, I jot down as I'm going through the course that I think, oh, this is good. This is
0: good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it certainly makes for a fun conversation, and uh, there, it's such a rich, rich. Uh, some of the the posts that people are writing and Mm. some just beautiful things that they're saying Mm. about their horses, that it is a delight to revisit some of these conversations and Mm. to uh, be able to share them uh, with everyone because it's It's great too,
1: that people can open up about their challenges. And, you know, the other day, I mean, this, I was, I like, um, I like food recipes. And so I have, I follow a lot of people on Instagram that make good food. And the other day, someone posted a recipe with cucumber and cream cheese and avocado. I think it was looked pretty good, you know, so she positioned it as a healthy snack, which, you know, I mean, it's this is not a bag of chips, right? So no. but then someone said, well, you know, cream cheese is really unhealthy, And I thought, oh, man, come on. And I I actually had to go and check because I thought, is cream cheese really unhealthy? And so it depends. You know, some cream cheese, they have more additives in them than others. But basically, cream cheese is, I mean, it's not going to give you, it's it's not that bad. (laughs) And I thought. It's hard, you know, on social media now to have conversation, even something like cucumber and cream cheese, people can find a way to make it look very nasty and make comments that, you know, the person took time to invent this little snack and they're happy to put it on on, on Instagram and they just get bashed, you know? So it's important to have places where we're safe enough to be able to open up and no one's going to judge you or criticize you. And there's someone like you who's there to guide us and, you know, give us some insights and never turn it into a shaming thing. On the contrary, you know, it's feeding everyone, everyone. And people kind of um, interact with each other's answer. Yes. Yeah, they build on someone else's answer and say, I got, you know, I have that too, or, you know, I like your idea or so it's a conversation it's in a safe place where you can learn, and I I think that's very important that's good, because I mean you know, in the coaching sessions too, people are sending their videos. You know, nowadays you think it's an act of courage to send the video that other people are going to see. They're not keeping the videos. They can't, you know, they can't use someone else's video, but still, you know, you're kind of exposing yourself a little bit, but it's it's,
0: very vulnerable to share your video. But at the same
1: time, that's what I find is, is, bringing so much value because we can see we even in the last coaching session I just love this you know there was this one person who had a horse and it was very super horse does all these wonderful things but then on that very windy day he was kind of excited and not you know being his usual perfect self and she sent the video yes It was great. And you know, the way she reacted for me was so perfect because it was not a big deal. You know, yeah, the horse was not his perfect self. And that's a lesson in itself, you know, about accepting what our horses are doing and not punishing them for, you know, having a different behavior because it's windy. It's it's information.
0: She was so kind and so generous to send that video. Because yeah. she sent it, because in the, the previous month's coaching session, one of the horse handler teams, the handler who is newer to the work, mm-hmm. and she's working with a very large, tall horse okay. who has presented some scary behavior. Okay, And the video that she sent in, there was one point where he came bouncing up to her at the start of a training session in a way that was scary. Not safe. Mm-hmm. It was scary. Mm-hmm. And so worked with her to build, so there, there's that teaching process again of can you build a teaching process, a, a strategy for teaching your horse how to begin a, begin a training session and how to approach you in a way that is safe. And of course, mats are part of that. So, So we went through that and she's been having good success with that. But then this other individual was so kind to send in the windy day video because she wanted to share that, you know, there are days when our horses are just horses mm-hmm. and it's not something where it's not a failure of our training. It's yeah. not a failure of the relationship. Exactly. It's not, they're not. It's none of those things. It's not something that you necessarily have to correct. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you may have to manage it so things mm-hmm. stay safe, but it, it's not an indication necessarily that things are going wrong. It's just a windy day and your horse feels good. Mm-hmm. So, and what we saw in, on, in this windy day video, we saw a couple of great examples of this is what a horse looks like when he's saying no. No. Because as mm. she started to reach up and to clip the lead to his halter, he, he, he moved his head away. It's like, no, I'm not ready yet. Mm. I have to go run around one or two more times. Mm. I, that's mm. fine. She never chased him. No, she's very she, she didn't neutral. She did after him. She was very anything. neutral. Right. Because in other, in other worlds, in other yeah. frames, mm. uh, we might have been told, Make oh, him uncomfortable to... when right. he's mm-hmm. not doing right. what he's supposed to do. Chase him out. You can't leave chase him and bring him back to you there's none of that no just waiting for him to come back and he came back and and then all the good training that's in him you know he was just bubbling over with energy Mm. and yet the good training that's in him showed you that he was keeping things safe Mm. and he was checking in with her and yes, he just had to bubble and, 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 and be silly, but the foundation lessons allowed the whole thing to be safe. Mm. So really, really important. It was an important piece of video, an important lesson, and such a generous offering to yeah. that individual.
1: But it's because it, it feels safe in the course, I find, you know, because otherwise I don't think people would send those. Those videos, they would always want to look good. And because yeah. that doesn't help us, right? What helps us is how do you get there, you know, and then there's problem coming up, and we can see them and how to address those. Yeah. You do see that in, in in person clinics, that you see yeah. in a person clinic. And I suppose the temptation when you have video coaching session is that you only send the good stuff. Um, but people feel you know, comfortable enough that they can feel the in between, the process, the yeah. challenges, the difficulties. And so that's very educating for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I hope it stays like that, you know, it's safe like that. Yes. Um, because that's an important part of it too for the coaching sessions, especially, but even in the forum discussions, even in the writing. People are being quite honest about the challenges that they have. Yes.
0: Hmm. Well, I think, you know, at least in this lovely stage now, that people truly want to learn. Mm -hmm. They truly love their horses. Yeah. The whole framing of the course, you know, where we begin with core ethics, Mm -hmm. sets the stage for being kind you know, being kind to our horses, being kind to ourselves, and then hopefully by extension, being kind to others. You know, this whole learning how to be kind, um, you know, there's the, there's the the really the greater message in all of this. It is. But it's
1: not only in the course, it's not people who have been using positive reinforcement only. Some people have come from, you know, traditional training backgrounds right. and they're still on their way to yes um mastering you know and using more of the positive reinforcement and the 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 clicker training philosophy but they're not necessarily all there yet and so that's oh, no. also real no. life you know p- different perspectives and points yep. of views but always you know, I haven't seen one, and there's quite a lot of writing in there. Um, I haven't seen one little hint of a judgment or yeah. criticism or nothing.
0: I'll, um, I'll share a, a quick little aside. So the, the course is hosted on a platform called PathWrite. And hmm. they just were redoing their website and uh, one of the... Um, Their technicians contacted me and said, we've been so impressed by the way you've set up the course and you've got all these discussions going that we'd love to um, highlight this. And would you write a a review for us? Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I thought I was just using... course the way you the way everybody else the way everybody else is but yeah apparently not so no well you know because the
1: temptation is that because you have your you're there right in the course the way it's set up you're you have a video and it's let's say a 10 minute video where you you present some topic and then you ask a question and it would be very easy to do and so you see the the replies to the question there may be 54 replies yeah it would be very easy and tempting to just press next and yeah. not go to the right. replies because you think, Oh, my horse doesn't mug like me. I don't, I don't need to look at all these discussion, but if you do that, you're going to miss out because it's not just about the mugging in the discussion. There's all kinds of things coming up and then you intervene and you answer. And like I said, in the beginning, you're extremely generous, um, you know, in and, and it's so rich. So you, you have to go through the replies because you're really going to miss out a lot. So yeah. it takes time to go through it. You know, it's an investment in time, but it's it's very rewarding. I'm finding that there's it is. a lot it to is. Yeah,
0: get and, out of it. And if you if you don't have time, you just want to watch the videos, you, you can. can do that if yeah, you don't you if do you that. want to read the replies but not send in a reply yourself. I'm not policing anything. So No, because I've
1: Till now, I've kind of done that, you know, I, I think I replied once in the beginning, just to say, hi, I'm here. Yeah. But I haven't, I haven't replied to anything yet. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit egotistic, um, not a uh, egoist, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm taking and not giving back enough, but I'm, I'm giving back here in the podcast, yes, you know, absolutely. because, yeah, but. I'm hoping at some point I'll be able to be more active myself and be more generous myself in in the writing, but I'm getting so much right now. You know, I guess one of the reasons why I haven't written, and that's my, you know, I shouldn't feel like that, but I know I felt like this, that, because I started later than the first cohort, and I've been feeling like Oh, I'm late. I'm late. You know, I have to go to the next session to, 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 um, to get at the same point as everybody else. And then I'll start to answer, but I'm starting to kind of relax now because I'm seeing some people are answering three months later, they're participating in the first discussions. It's starting to happen. Now I'm seeing some people coming up and they just Mm-hmm. Answered like today, a question you asked months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh,
0: lots of good stuff, really. Yeah. 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 So we'll we'll definitely we'll do this again. I hope. Yeah, uh, I'd like you know, to do that. Yeah, you'll have to keep track of what of some of the things that just really struck your fancy and and we'll revisit some of these concepts because they are definitely important concepts and they are relevant no matter where you are in the overall process
1: yeah and you know you you might get inspirations too about things you because sometimes i know people can get into a, oh i don't know what to train my horses but yeah. there's lots of good ideas you know yes. people saying oh uh, i want to do this i want to do that i want to walk with my horse and have some uh grazing pits and then start off and you know continue so it it'll inspire you to it'll yes. give you ideas of maybe things you haven't thought about training your horse that people are working on and talking about in the course definitely
0: yeah so this has been fun so we will we will definitely do it again and i thank you immensely for all the kind things you've said about the uh, the course they've been they were fun to create and mm-hmm. i think you know as people move through the eight courses that We're going to be developing some really, really great horse handler teams, Mm. which is my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Very neat. Thank you again for listening. And I especially want to thank Dominique for all the wonderful comments she made about the online clinics. If you want to learn more about the clinics, go to my website, theclickercenter.com. There you'll find all the information you need about the clinics, the course syllabus, how you register, all of those things. And if you have other questions, you can always email me. So again, that's my website, theclickercenter.com. And hopefully I'll be meeting some of you in the clinics. And until next time, enjoy your training and have fun with your horses.